This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Coming January 18, 2019, Misery Never Forgets, the new album from the leaders of the next generation of metalcore, Wrist Meat Razor. Revolver Magazine proclaims, Wrist Meat Razor reimagined the technicality and urgency of the hardcore and screamo of the early aughts. And Colt Nation hails, Wrist Meat Razor is poised to make their mark, a crimson slice of emotional violence. Wrist Meat Razor, Misery Never Forgets, available in all formats, January 18, 2019. Pre-order at store.prostheticrecords.com. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I am your host, Petter Speich, and I'm always joined by... My name is Brandon Gooch-Hahn, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at YourBuddyGooch. And... Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And this guy's a very special episode. It's our best of 2018 episode. We got tons of interviews, tons of songs from all the albums that we had to fight each other over to choose for our best of 15 for the year. And also our last show of 2018, so we won't be back till January. January 7th, so we're giving you an extra long, tons of music, tons of interview. Let's not talk anymore. We want the interviews and the music to ride this show. So let's start at number 15 on our list of best of this year. Number 15 comes from a band called Voices. The record is called Frightened. And what I loved about this record, and we all did, is that it's great when you see a band, instead of producing an album to meet their fans' visions, they produce an album demanding their fans meet theirs. And I think Voices did that exactly on Frightened, and it is definitely one of the albums that we could not stop listening to this year. And this is a track off that record. This one is called Home Movies.
guys and we are back next album on our list number 14 comes from anephrens so that record the bleakness of our constant came out in october and we really think something extremely special i actually got to talk to mastermind behind the band jory here is my interview with him everybody on the phone i have jory from anephrens and uh, we are here to talk about the bleakness of our constant one of our top 15 records of the year tell me the meaning dude behind the title of the record Okay, so basically, um, it's just the pursuit of uh, just things in, in life. You know, not everything is uh, super easy, and it's kind of just the struggle, the constant struggle, and just pursuing that and just trying to find uh, hope and layers of that and just trying to move forward with what you have essentially is what the root of the record is about. So it, there is, a, in essence, a, a positivity behind it, a hopefulness? Absolutely. I think that kind of comes through in a lot of the melodies in the music particularly like the, um, the kind of more subdued, like clean parts. I think it kind of translates, for me at least it translates into hope, hopefulness, I guess. Nice. Let me ask you this about, about the, the theory behind the, the uh, hopelessness. Do you think, how much of that is a mental state for people to maintain? Um, I think it really depends on the person. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a complex, at least for me, it's a kind of a complex thing. It, emerge, it emerges once in a while, other times it seems like it's completely gone. Um, and just those little moments where it emerges is where I get a lot of inspiration from. And I think that, at least I hope that people can like see that in the music and the bleakness of our constant, you know, where, you know, it seems kind of grim and then like little, little bits of it kind of emerge, you know what I mean? Like just uh, little, little rays of light, if you will. When you're being sold to people, it's it's under a black metal kind of mantra, also with the one-man band type of thing. Do you feel mm-hmm. that represents you properly at this stage? Um, I guess it's it's a definitely a root of what the project is, but I think there's so much more going into it, and that's kind of what I strive for. I don't really want to be labeled necessarily as just a black metal band. I think you know there's clear influences of shoegaze and definitely doom and uh, some folk elements as well. And I, I think it's really hard to put just a slap, just one label on it, like black metal. I think it's got quite a bit more depth than that. I, I agree, dude. And, and I think black metal has evolved into an avant-garde form. I think a lot of it has to do because the personality of the person behind the project is so important and so ingrained. And uh, you, Absolutely. you being a one-man project, what are the pros of that? And then what are some of the cons? Well, so the pros, I would say... 
really just it was starting off on this project it was really just a test of my abilities to see if i could actually do everything on my own um, I, I studied in audio engineering in college and stuff so i feel like i had a pretty good background with that but just uh just being able to do everything myself it's been absolutely wonderful to have such creative control and really take my time with the record um but a drawback i suppose i really do miss like uh interacting with musicians and writing things together a lot of my friends that i used to do that with are uh very busy with their own projects which are taking off and doing really well and i'm happy for them too but like it's it's kind of an up and down thing i'm really happy with the way everything has turned out so far especially with this new record i feel like uh just spending a lot of time just figuring out exactly the music i want to make i feel like i'm really coming into my own sound and that's really important to me is there an outside voice that comes into play before is it all just coming from you kind of isolated um i mean i'm definitely a product of my influences but really i think the biggest part of it is just kind of my worldview and just my appreciation for beauty in the world and also just personal struggles all kind of just come into it. It just kind of makes a cohesive sound. I think we really live in some exciting times right now because the playing field of a lot of these, you know, genres of music and just, you know, expressing creativity, uh, it's just, you know, we're really trying to, like, figure out what's not uh, been done before and just really trying to emerge on some really truly unique things. That's a product of a lot of influences in this day and age, and it's really interesting to see what everyone comes up with, especially, I think, in the realm of, like, you know, atmospheric black metal and stuff like that. I think some really um, nuanced and interesting things are coming out. Excellent, man. So let me ask you this last question, buddy. What are some of your favorite yeah. releases this year? Sure, absolutely. So one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, Morphal Congregation, came out with an album this year. And I, I don't know why I sat on it so long. I guess maybe just I didn't really like the artwork. <laughs> but uh, the, the Incubus of Karma, their newest record, when I finally got down to listening to it, I seriously could not stop listening to it. I've been uh, just playing it on repeat, and it's just a very powerful, just very deep record and very hard um, hard to wrap your mind around unless you was really just kind of, uh, uh, how am I trying to say this, just really take it all in, you know, give it several listens. It's a, it's a grower for sure. Um that was definitely one of my favorites of this year. Also, uh, my my friends in the, over in Seattle, uh, Easton Nordahl, came out with a dark folk record called uh, Spectral Embrace. I played with them on my tour earlier this year, and just seeing those dark, uh, just those, they're kind of more subdued. They they do some heavier music as well, um, but just their set that they played at the show that I was at, just this really subdued and beautiful dark folk. And it was one of the most captivating performances I've ever seen, and the record really portrays that. But truly, their live performance is something to behold, and that really stuck with me. It's definitely a record I'm going to listen to for years to come. Dude, I just want to thank you for the record. I hope we get it out to some ears out there, and some people do listen to it. Man, definitely one of our favorites. For Absolutely. Years. So, Jory, man. Yeah, it's truly an honor. You're very welcome, dude. And so, um, with that, dude, congratulations, and hopefully, we talk soon again, my man. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. All the best.
All right, cool, guys. That song you heard is off the bleakness of our concept. That, that one is called This Onward Reach. Brandon and Jocelyn are still here, right? We're here. Okay, We're excellent. here. <laughs> We're just rocking out and listening to music. I'm just soaking it in, man. Soaking it in. This awesome metal. We got to get through all these albums. We don't have very much time. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, guys. Number 13 on our list is from a band called Thunder Horse. It is their self-titled record, Thunder Horse. Here's a track off that record. This one is called Blood Ritual.
Amon Amarth just released their new documentary in supporting live albums, The Pursuit of Vikings 25 Years in the Eye of the Storm via Metal Blade Records. In addition to the retrospective documentary, the live video and audio components contain two different sets at 2017 Summer Breeze Festival in Germany, capturing the unit at their very best. Purchase your copies now at metalblade.com slash amonamarth. Once again, amonamarth, the pursuit of Vikings 25 years in the eye of the storm. Purchase your copy now, metalblade.com slash amonamarth. All right, guys. Album number 12 of the year for us is by a band called Grave Shadow. And now this band, I'm a big guy that Matt Barlow was a huge part of my life where vocally there are albums that just stick with me and all the melodies and all that stuff that really overpower and take over. This record to me is exactly what that was to me. It, it reminded me of the old school Iser type of records, but it was all over the place. A real original record. And I actually got to talk and interview with Will Walker of Grave Shadow. Here, my friends, our number 12 album of the year, Grave Shadow's Ambitions Price. Everybody, what's up? I got Will Walker from Grave Shadow on the phone. We're here to talk about Ambitions Price, one of our favorite records of the year. Will, man, what was your guys' goals during the writing and recording process? It's your second record. You learned a lot from the first, right? Definitely, yeah. So what were some of the goals going into this record? Our goal with this one, uh, you know, we had some lineup changes from Nocturnal Res- the Nocturnal Resurrection album to Ambitions Price. And, um, you know, we lost our keyboard player and we brought in our new lead guitarist, Aaron, and he plays keyboards for uh, this melodic death metal band down in uh, the Bay Area of California in Redwood City. So he's very, very much, he's a, you know, he's a great guitar player. He's really good with writing orchestrations. And what we, but what we wanted to do is we kind of wanted to go for a more guitar centric sound explore some melody ideas, harmony ideas that we weren't necessarily able to with the first one, just due to, you know, creative differences. <laughs> um, and I think we did a good job of it. Um, I mean, we definitely channeled some more of those like melodic influences, whereas before it was really focused on leaving room for the orchestrations to shine. And we really wanted to kind of show show that we could do a little bit more on guitar than we had done on the first record. It's hard to put any label on it because it, it incorporates so many different styles in metal. Now, is that because of the writing process of the band and the individual's personalities or is there a primary songwriter in the band it's definitely a communal project um you know actually our drummer roman and i we write most of the guitar together and we're a little bit on different ends you know he's very much into black metal very very much into doom metal whereas i am you know very much i I come from a punk and a thrash background and power metal ended up being something i got into later when i started playing when i was moving from punk bands to metal bands and so the way that fuses he and I gel and everything like that, you know, like I'll be honest, like when I write, I usually will get a good little structure of maybe three or four riffs with transitions and I'll show it to him and I'll get a little lost about where I want to take it. And he'll end up writing something that I would have never have thought to write in a million years. And um, it's not always necessarily stylistically the same way that I started writing the song, but by the time he gets his hands on it and he gets his fingerprints all over that thing, I think it turns into something better than maybe whatever it would have been that I may have written on my own. And, you know, we do all kind of come from different backgrounds. You know, Aaron, very, very much, you know, metalhead through and through. Like, that's 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 his jam. That's what he does. You know, we all love metal. Um, but he's that I'd say that he's probably the most rooted in a metal in, in a pure metal influence, metal influence, if I had to say. Um, you know, Ben is very much a classic rock guy and Heather, if you can believe it, I mean, she's all over the place I mean, she's got pop influences, metal influences and all that other kind of stuff. And, um, she kind of, she wrote some guitar parts for, um, a couple songs on this record. She wrote, uh, the chorus for Warchief, and she actually wrote Hero of Time 
entirely herself, um, except for the guitar solo that we uh, we were fortunate enough to get Armand from Night Demon. Uh, he produced our record, he engineered the record and mixed it, and um, we got we were we were lucky enough that uh, when we asked him if he'd be down to do a guest solo, that he would. And I I don't think that I could have been any happier with the work that he did. <laughs> Nice, dude. So to me, as a listener, hearing what you said, I'm going to go with Roman wrote Liberator, right? And that was me. That was you. Okay, my that bad. That was me. I'm off already, dude. That's like the, that's like the thrashiest, heaviest uh, tune on there. But it's funny you brought up War Chief because that's the song I'm going to play for everybody to hear. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> that, that's one that I think incorporates everything because, like I said, it goes everywhere, man. You got the power metal influences, you got some doom, you got some thrash. And then we're going to talk, let's talk about Heather's vocals on this record because I, I mm-hmm. definitely want to bring that up. The record, to me, the, the vocal melodies, they shine and they make every song catchy, but also they're so diverse throughout the album, uh, giving it definitely. such a uniqueness. Um, how much focus is on the vocals and melodies for you guys uh, on this record? I think that we put. I think I, I think that we put a lot of emphasis on it without being consciously aware that we were putting a lot of emphasis on it. Honestly, Lear, as far as Heather, she writes her own vocal melodies, and for the most part on this record, she wrote the lyrics a lot on her own. You know, sometimes I'll dabble with lyrics, but I'm a free verse guy. I basically just write these really clunky short stories and I give them to her, and she makes them sound lyrical. But she was. I can say that she was definitely very driven. Um, to get her voice to sound the way that she wanted her voice to sound on this record. And that showed, um, that came through during the writing process. It definitely came through during the recording process. Um, she didn't record her vocals with us. We went down and we tracked uh, drums, bass, and guitar um, in Ventura with Armand at his studio. And then when we came back to Sacramento, Aaron wrote all the orchestrations um, in his home studio, and Heather worked with an engineer that she knew up here to do her vocals. And she was very involved like uh, uh, every every step of the way and everything like that sometimes i get calls from her in the middle of the night and she'd send me the cut that she did that day and she'd be like i really don't think this sounds all that good and i'm like no it it sounds fine it just sounds like maybe he's got a wonky effect on there or something like that so it's uh so i'm, I'm gonna amend what i just said i think that she was very conscious of it i think as far as the rest of the guys were concerned and our with our input i think that it was i think we fo- i think we focused on it more than I think we were aware of. So I, I can definitely say I think it was definitely a focal point with getting the getting the, the lyric, getting the vocals to shine through. Because um, I think that that's a challenge with this style of music, especially when you have so many guitar tracks, you know, when you have all the guitars and the drums and the bass, but then you throw the orchestrations on there and then you throw the vocals on top of that. It's, 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 it can be a challenge to get everything to shine the way that it needs to. But definitely think that I, I, I'm happy with the way it turned out. <laughs> um, and I, I think everybody else in the band was too. I'll tell you right now, when I have to pick a track to play for the audience, your mm. records was, it was the hardest. I switched from Liberator, then I went to Gates, and then I'm like, no, I'm going to do War Chief. Like, because it goes so many different ways, you know? So it's so hard mm-hmm. to get one track to represent the album to me. Let me ask you this. What has been your favorite song to play live from the record? Ooh, um, I... You know what? It, it, it's a toss-up for me. Um, it's uh, between War Chief and the title track, Ambition's Price. Mm-hmm. War Chief is a lot of fun to play because it's so high energy. And, um, you know, a couple of the reviews that we've gotten and everything like that um, kind of point it to as the most traditional sounding, like traditional metal sounding song that we have on the record. And, you know, that's kind of in vogue right now. You know, I, I definitely think that like, kind of like that traditional metal is kind of coming back in a really, really big way. Um but Ambition's Price has a lot of uh, personal meaning for me. Um, I wrote that song um, about a friend of mine who, you know, for 
all intents and purposes, I kind of stabbed in the back and I really didn't mean to. It was something that, you know, circumstances happen. Sometimes you have to make a decision, but you have to live with that decision. And it's been a challenge. It's definitely been, it's, it's been hard for me, but playing that song is always very therapeutic and always very cathartic for me um, on stage. And I feel like, and I also feel like even though it is a slower song on the record, I feel like a lot of people connect with that one. Um, at least in my conversations I've had with fans and, you know, you know, industry people and our man, you know, and our team and everything like that. So ambitions, price and war chief that I'd have to say it's toss up between those two for me. I'm so glad I picked one to play yeah. <laughs> that you mentioned. I was like, all right, I got one. I was like, should I switch now? No. Leaving it. So, mm-mm, mm-mm. Let me ask you the last question, buddy. Before we let you go, Will, what what was your favorite records of 2018? I think for me, the records that I probably spun the most this year on my own um, were probably um, Unleash the Archer's Apex. That record is phenomenal. It's just it, it's just phenomenal from start to finish. The concept that they did for that, you know, we had an opportunity to go out on our very first tour with them, so you know. We, we know the guys a little bit. They came out to see us when we played in Vancouver with Serenia earlier this year. Um, and it was just um, hearing that record was, for me, I'll be honest, man, it was life-changing. It started pushing me to want to do more with my guitar work and everything like that. And it, it's just, it's it's such a such a powerful record. And then I'd have to say Darkness Remains, uh, Night Demon's uh, last record that they put out. And, um, they, and, you know, maybe I'm being a little biased because I love those guys. They're, you know, salt of the earth people. Touring with them was unreal just watching them do what they do day in and day out. But there's just such an authenticity on that record. You know, those guys know what they're doing. They know how to do it. And in my opinion, they're the best in the game at it right now. And um, so, you know, listening, that record for me is always, you know, you have your down moments, you kind of second guess what you're doing and everything like that. And I'll throw that record on and I'm immediately galvanized to try to actually do something again. So, I definitely have to say those are probably the two that I love the most this year. Nice, dude. Got to tell you, Will, I'm so glad I got to talk to you, man. I'm so glad I get to you know, put a song out there and, and kind of get people's ears on this record. Once again, Ambitions Price, guys. It's our 12th favorite record of this year. So with that, Will, thank you so much, dude, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was a lot of fun.
right, guys. Next on our list, number 11. Terror, total retaliation. If there's a band that's going to get the youth back up angry and absolutely into the scene, it's going to be someone like Terror. This record is excellent on every level. Every song gets stuck in your craw. Everything is just you're screaming in through your stereo. And the song we're going to play for you guys here, this is the last track on that record. This one is called Resistant to the Changes. As a quick reminder that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. During the holiday season, put some merch from Rockabilia on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift from someone and know what bands they are into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed in their selection, and you can get 15% off with the promo code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to Rockabilia.com for all your holiday merch, and make sure to save 15% using the promo code PC 
Jabberjaw. Number 10 on our list is the final album by Warl Dane, Shadow Work. It just keeps his legacy going. It is phenomenal in, in its heaviness. It has Nevermore. It has his personality and is truly a swan song. And the packaging of the physical copy was like a book. It was beautiful artwork by Travis Smith, which we actually talk about in a little bit on another record. But just everything about it really was a perfect send-off for a legend in metal in our in our eyes. This song that we're going to play off of that one, this is going to be called As Fast As The Others. Number 10 on our list of best of records, World Dane's Shadow Work.
Number nine on our list, guys. And this one is all about the Americana. It's a little bit outside of the metal genre for some people, but it's definitely atmospherically black metal. It's excellent. And that is the record by Henry Derrick Ellis. The record is called The Devil Is My Friend, a genuine piece of true just poetry when it comes to music. Something you guys got to get your ears on. And I got to sit down and talk to Henry. Here is my interview with Henry Derrick Ellis. He comes from Vegas. Yes, I am. I am Las Vegas. I am a native here. Awesome, man. How's it going? Good, dude. Good. We're doing our best of show. Yeah, your record's okay. one of our favorites of the year. So we just wanted to talk a little bit about it for sure, dude. Congratulations. Fantastic record, man. I really love cool. it. Cool. Th- thank you, man. Yeah, it's always good to hear, you know. Um, definitely one of those albums that, like, I'm still trying to get out there. You know, it's pretty hard to... It's a hard task, you know, difficult task, end of the year kind of thing. Do you have records of the year that you are your favorite? Can I ask you what your favorite records are? Um, yeah, in the metal spectrum of things, um, I would say Uwada, um, what is it called? From Cult of the Dying Sun? Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think they're out of Portland and they, they're kind of, you know, they've managed to create a buzz for themselves. Uh, saw them play uh, the pre-party metal and beer festival at the Troubadour, and that was pretty fantastic. Pretty solid band. Another friend of mine, Tara Venflower, she's in a band called Lycia. They put out their record a couple months ago called In Flickers, and uh, it's pretty pretty solid as well. Nice. So, I mean, that, that's two. Yeah, that's two for you. I mean, I usually kind of just geek out over, you know, lists, and I can go down the rabbit hole. Things can go wrong pretty fast. <laughs> I, I understand it. It's like the hardest task for me to figure out which records that uh, are my favorite because it's so subjective, you know, but I want to talk about your record. Everybody, if you haven't heard it, Henry Derrick Ellis, The Devil Is My Friends. Tell us your goals and message behind this record and do you feel that you achieve them? Uh, no, I don't feel like I've achieved my goals. You know, it's, it's a difficult thing because it's an independent release and, uh, you know, I did the best I could with what I could. The thing is, like, everything is just so overexposed and oversaturated these days that, like, you know, you do what you can in terms of pushing the record and, you know, PR and, and all that good stuff. And I wanted to do more in that department, in that department. But musically, I think I pulled off something, you know, unique and compelling, you know, in, in a way that it's it's just not cookie cutter. It's not something that you hear in the rock kind of spectrum of things you know it's it's a dark record and it has an edge to it i like i like making people uncomfortable so in that sense i think i did something special and that leads into the atmosphere is very important and it and it, it takes you prior to your voice even entering you know and, and you are known as a singer so how important was that to create that atmosphere well atmosphere is everything you know from the moment you 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 pick up the record and you look at the artwork it, it begins there you have to like get people's attention, especially in this day and age where everything is digital or whatever, you know, if, if, you know, everyone is just scrolling, that's, that's the culture we live in. Right. So, you know, I knew that Travis Smith would really knock it out of the park and he's someone I've worked with a long time. And, uh, I did all the art direction for the record, but, you know, I provided him some of the images as well, but I just knew that the atmosphere was, it's, it's everything with, a, you know, with a record like this, because you're also, you know, you're getting into that singer-songwriter territory, which is a weird thing for me because I, in no way, shape, or form, wanted to come across as, like, coffee shop music. I wanted to, to release something that was, like, the furthest thing away from a fucking Starbucks playlist. You know what I mean? To do that, to create the atmosphere, I needed the strings. I needed to, you know, I needed to have some focus lyrically and kind of put 
mix the poetry with you know music that was was really kind of uh, I don't know ethereal, but in in a strange way had like that the the roots element without coming across like cheesy, you know, because sometimes like, I don't know, it's a problem I have with a lot of like different subgenres is, you know, you have these guys and I don't believe what they're saying, you know, some guy creating Americana music that's from Detroit. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, there's a lot going on in the record, so hopefully it's cohesive. Hopefully it, it makes sense to some people, you know, I'm still kind of questioning that sometimes. I think it is very cohesive. Um, do you feel like the process for it, when it's a solo record and you have this vision, the images, everything come together like it did so well with the record, The Devil Is My Friend, do you feel it was an organic thing or do you feel it was more calculated? Uh, that was definitely organic. It's organic in a way that, you know, it's it's all real instruments. It's, it, it's all coming from, you know, my subconscious or dreams, nightmares, experiences, memories, from my childhood, you know, all comes from those places, all comes from a very, very real place. You know, uh, the songs definitely didn't happen overnight. It's not like I went into a studio and, you know, it wasn't magical in that way. I wrote some of these songs, you know, over, over like course of a decade, piece by piece by piece. And then, you know, the final piece of the puzzle puzzle for me is getting into the studio and, and creating that world because just because you have a great song and a great structure, um, and you're you're saying something important, you know. You have to create the, that world that the song lives in, and that goes back to the atmosphere, you know, that, that you were talking about. So o- organically, it, it definitely worked in the way that it was. It I didn't have to. It didn't feel like a job, you know. It didn't feel like, uh, uh, and it it also, you know, don't feel like I, I had to prove anything. You know, I, have to, I don't have to prove myself as a songwriter, but it's always like. It's always just a little ridiculous when people are trying to compare it to other bands you've been in or things you've done. Because uh, this is probably the the most accurate representation of any of me, you know, like as an artist, I guess. I don't know. It's like we recorded a bunch of songs, and uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to keep working, see how you know. It was just like kind of kept pushing the boundaries in a way, but that was the most challenging part of it. Was just having the uh, the resources and the time to do all this, like elaborate instrumentation you know like bringing bringing in a mariachi band or whatever tell us about the track only bones and it's important to you and the album because that track every time it comes on it takes me it's just such a unique track and it seems very personal sure um first and foremost i think it goes back to making people uncomfortable i'm just convinced now that like people don't want records they do want songs you know they want something they can put on at a fucking party and I didn't want to make a record like that. I wanted to make something that really made an impact on, or, or, you know, whether, whether people love it or hate it or like it or whatever, like you're going to hear it. You know, you might not understand what you're hearing, but you're, you're really going to, going to have to think, what was that? What's, what's really happening here? In a nutshell, um, that particular track was, um, the last minute thing that I d- decided to include on the album. It's like the last voice, one of the last voicemails I got from my father that passed. And, uh, you know, like the whole album is kind of more or less a tribute to my my mother and father, who uh, um, my my mother passed away when I was five. So you know, I've been just having like these reoccurring dreams and nightmares from that. And you know, the whole record is somewhat of a a concept album, and uh, that particular track is is kind of just you know, it's it's part of the journey, I would say. And that's 
the journey that I think a lot of people need to take for sure, because that's exactly what I got from the, the, the songs, the records, the atmosphere is that sense, like you just said about that family, them leaving us sooner than, you know, than time. And it, but it's such a, a genuine and accurate representation of your vision, but like it's relatable. And that's what music's supposed to do. It's supposed to stop you from your day-to-day life and let and take you in, you know, and take you for a journey. And you accomplish that. Totally. And that's why um, I, I really hope people get out there and listen to this record in its entirety. So with this experience, though, man, has it given you confidence in anything that you want to do musically in the future with no limitations? Yeah, I think I had that prior, but, you know, it's, it's just such a, it's so intimidating, you know, to go into a studio and be, you know, expose yourself in that way and be like so personal and in a way that, you know, you're going to put something out that, you know, you're, you're proud of and you could stand behind, but you're really exposing yourself. It's like bare bones kind of stuff. And like I said, this is an independent release. It's DIY. I mean, in a way, it's like I'm, I'm fortunate that we live, you know, in an era where that's acceptable. But some people won't give the album the time of day because like, oh, well, it's not on this label and it's not on this, this like popular music blog, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you're creating art, you're creating something bigger than yourself. You have to remove that. Your ego is really unimportant. And in terms of limitations, the biggest limitation is just overcoming those boundaries, you know, all the bullshit, industry shit that really doesn't matter. Um, that's the only limitation I have. In terms of creating this kind of music and something I'll continue to do, I don't know what the future holds, you know, for this type of thing. It's such a specific sound, but I, I think a lot of people are coming around and, and I think a lot to the point where People are interested. People want to hear something different. They're kind of beyond the, uh, you know, what's what's on the surface. Absolutely, man. I think you're right. I think you nailed it. And I want to, like I said, one of our favorite records of the year. I hope anything on our platform will at least get people out there to check it out, listen to it. We're going to play a track. The track I chose to play is going to be Corpse Carver. Is that cool, or did you want me to maybe try another one? No, it's totally cool, man. Yeah, yeah Corpse Carver, uh, just you know, Corpse Carver's um, the track that uh, I had Neil Tymon from, from Devil Driver, buddy of mine, uh, play guest solo on. And, you know, I would say it's a rocker on the album. So, yeah, man, go for it. Excellent. So with that, everybody, Henry Derrick Ellis, The Devil Is My Friend. Make sure you check it out. Check out the artwork. I'm telling you, the physical copy is well worth it. Like you said, it's DIY support it's well worth your time dude i i want to thank you man for the record and i want to thank you oh, thank you for uh yeah calling into the metal sucks podcast and giving us the interview bud cheers man thank you so much i really appreciate your time
Muerte is our number eight record of the year, guys. And here's a track off there. This one is El Sol, featuring Stephen Carpenter of the Deftones.
number seven record of our year here on the Metal Sucks podcast is going to be from Chemis. And that record is called Desolation. Man, this band has gotten better and better through the years. They remind me of the same trajectory as someone like a pallbearer. So you guys definitely, if you haven't heard the record Desolation, it's our number seven favorite record of the year. Here's a track off that one. This one's called Isolation.
And we are back once again, guys. Brandon Joslin, you still here? Hey, hey. Still here. I'm yep. making them earn their money, guys. That's right. Still here. <laughs> Keep talking about it. Even that. though we're not talking, he still made us clock in. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Number six album of the year, guys. What can I say? It's Isan. Isan, every record he puts out makes my best of. One of the most unique, talented, and just best figures in metal. The record, Amir. Here's a track off that. Number six album of the year for us. This one is Arcane Imperie.
number five record of the year. We're getting to the nitty gritty, aren't we? So right here, guys, number five to us is the latest from the band Earthless. Uh, The album was Black Heaven. I don't know how to say it, man, but it was a record that completely brought peace and joy every time it put on. It ended too fast, and then it just was a restart over. So much is going on. I think Isaiah Mitchell is definitely one of the best guitar players out there that people may not know about or need to know about because everything he does is so unique. And I actually got to sit down and talk to Isaiah about that. Here's my interview with Isaiah Mitchell of Earthless Guys, our number five record of the year. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with Metal Sucks on the phone. I have Isaiah from Earthless. Our number five favorite record of 2018 is Black Heaven. Isaiah, man, what's going on? Nothing much, man. Good to talk to you, Peter. Excellent, dude. So Black Heaven, to me as a listener, really expanded so much layers to the songwriting when listening. And a lot of that has to do with the vocals. But was this album approached in a different way? Yeah. I mean, we we don't live in the same town anymore. So we're not getting together and writing, you know, regularly once a week. So... You know, I did a little bit more work on my end, and Mike and Mario did work on their end. And you know, I brought in some songs kind of fully realized, and they had stuff worked out more or less fully realized. So it's definitely a different way than we've made our previous records. And it's fun. It's just different. I don't know. There's no limitations, you know, in what we can do nowadays. So cool. I don't know. We're, just, we're learning how to work with our, our situation. Nice, dude. So the importance of an organic and live sound uh, is lost on a, on many recordings because of modern day production. And yeah. Black Heaven really shines organically to me as a listener. Oh, cool. I feel like I I just feel like it versus. I was talking with someone the other day about this. Like versus our other records, it feels more polished than our other records. Where it, it just felt more like we were in a studio, and it, to me, it sounds more like in a studio. So I'm glad that you you feel that it still conveys that live sound. That's awesome. A hundred percent. I was going to ask you that. So it so it was a little more polished than your previous records because of the situation. I mean, I I think so. I mean, we're recording to Pro Tools versus recording to tape, and. You know, with Pro Tools or whatever format that's digital like that. I mean, you can you can have pretty much infinite tracks. So we kind of took advantage of that versus the limitation of, you know, 8, 16, 24 track recording where it's like you can only put so much on it and you got to be really creative with what you put on it. So um, then mindful. So to me, it's like having all this excess, you know, tracks like multiple guitars and extra harmony stuff and triple background vocals or whatever it's like i don't know it just it sounds more studio to me but it's cool it's just fun again it's just different why not use it sometimes you know a hundred percent yeah totally man yeah. so your voice on guitar is very original it's something that always draws me to your band now regardless it does get comparisons to other uh, classic musicians and stuff like that what what is your f- favorite comparison that anybody's ever said about it Oh, I mean, I've gotten Billy Gibbons a couple times, um, which he's my favorite. Him and Hendrix are my favorite. I get a lot of Hendrix. I've gotten Frank Marino from a lot of older dudes, which I I like that, too. I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) I mean, sometimes Tommy Boland, but, like, I don't know. I think people aren't hearing it right because Tommy Boland's insane. But yeah, I don't know. That, I, those guys, I've I've gotten I've gotten compared to. If if anything, like the sound or the tone of of the guitar, not necessarily the playing all the time. But those guys are. I don't know. I hear those ones a few times. 
Cool. And now vocally, though, on this record, um, was it was obviously a decision for you guys to do more songs vocally. A lot, a lot of people know you guys as an instrumental band, you know, through the years. Um, yeah. Vocals on on you know a couple tracks in the past, obviously Cherry Red, other ones like that. But this album was more or less all vocally, except for the title track. Do you feel in the future that's something that you guys want to maintain? I don't know. We're, we're just open to whatever comes natural this time around. Um, we happen to have a lot of songs with vocals just kicking around and, and some that were written pretty pretty much uh, during the time we were writing the record. So for the future, like I wouldn't mind like this I wouldn't mind just going back to like our first couple records where it's just one song aside, instrumental, no vocals. So whether or not that's gonna happen, I don't know. You just throw it keep throwing everyone for a loop and ourselves for a loop and not not to be able to stuck in a box of like they're gonna do this. It's like I don't know. I just want to keep it interesting and fun. Exciting. Yes. Live wise, do you like to sing and play guitar? Because like so the guitar is such a focal point. Does that ever uh, throw you off in any way? No, it doesn't throw me off as long as the sound's decent. And fortunately we're playing places that have good good sound for the most part, good monitors, but if everything sounds good, it's super fun. And I think it's a cool dynamic to throw in our live set going from long instrumentals and then put it in vocal songs and going back to a long instrumental. I, I don't know. I really like that dynamic live. It kind of mixes mixes it up, but still maintains you know our, our live atmosphere that we've always had. Excellent. Yeah, the essence, man. I love it. So and the, the, the record it comes off very peaceful, very, you know, I mean it's it's your guys' signature, but um it just seems it's not chaotic. It's such a an easy listen and it flows by, flies by, and it's a repeat listener for sure. What was cool. the emotional essence, do you think, behind writing these songs? The songs just came. You know, watching a TV show and a riff shows up. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really know what the emotional essence was. It's. I think it's just our essence. If that. If that's an answer, yeah. That's a total know. answer. Yeah, completely, yeah, man. No, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> kind of a tough question. I was like, were you happy? Yeah. Were you sad? Where was? I can it? go deep with it, yeah. but I, I'd be. I'd be talking out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, twenty eighteen is ending. You guys had a fantastic year. You guys did a bunch of shows, man. What was your favorite albums this year that you heard? Favorite albums? Well, I love High on Fire. High on Fire. I'm gonna go with High on Fire. High on Fire was a, a phenomenal record. Sleep's record is uh, making a lot of top lists. Um, oh, of course. So everybody's yeah. loving that one. Didn't make hours uh, on the show. Doesn't mean I uh-huh. love it, but for some reason, man, I just they're just. I always the way I make the list because it's so hard is like, what did you listen to the most? And, yeah, and why? You know, that's kind of how it was with us. And uh, yeah, yeah, your guys's was number five, man. It was it was a great listen. It came out in March. I hope everybody can get out there and listen to that record and find it, man. Uh, Isaiah, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling in and just excited for the future with you guys, man. The next album coming out in a couple years. Much appreciated, Peter. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on and thanks for the love.
number four record. Everybody's going to be asking, where's the death metal? Where is it? Well, it's right here. It's at number four. The best death metal record of the year to me, and one of the best records of the year, is the new Hate Eternal Upon Desolate Sands, a band that's kind of known for speed and just crunching in grit. Well, this one, man, it, it slowed down on speed, and, and it just was completely a game changer for me. And to me, the best death metal record of the year. Um, so with that, guys, we want to play a track off that one. Number four album of the year, Upon Desolate Sands by Hate Eternal. This track is called Vengeance Striketh.
brings us to our number three record of the year. For us, number three goes to Harry Carey for the Sky and their album Arson. This band, another band we can talk about for days, but they're putting out something original. They're doing something new and they're really just perfecting it. Here's a track off that record, guys. This track is called Manifesto.
number two record of the year, followed with uh, the centerpiece interview of this show, which was uh, supposed to be about 10 minutes long, but you know, it went on about 45, guys, so hopefully you're going to enjoy it, but the Atlas Moth Coma Noir. Here is me and Stavros doing what me and Stavros do, which is chatting and laughing and talking a bunch of nonsense and also getting his pick for the best of the year. Our number two record, Atlas Moth Coma Noir. I have a really bad habit of like when I hold a phone to my ear, like I move it away from my mouth. Oh, I understand that habit. I, I still hold the phone, the cell phone, like I, the old phone on my shoulder, and nobody can hear me. No, I know what you're talking about. Oh, here. dude, I do it all the time. All, they're like, we can't hear you anymore. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll stop doing I the dishes. <laughs> right literally, literally every time I'm on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Why can't I hear you now? It's like, well, because I'm from the 80s. Exactly. And we think this is how cell phones work. Exactly. Yeah. Too. Does not work that way at all. <laughs> I'll never. So I've learned. I have my headphones. Dude, dude. We we will not learn. We will do it the rest of our lives because you know absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna be like the, that's gonna be like our version of the old man. Exactly. You know, yeah. like how we're like Jesus Christ, Dad, learn how to fucking text. You know, <laughs> like some kids be like Jesus, you hold a phone like a cell phone, you idiot. Like, God damn it. Those things are slowly creeping into our lives right now. Not so slowly on my end, my friend. Let me tell you, I oh, got the, nephews oh. and nieces that are fucking lapping me right now. Oh, tell us an old man Stavros story. I'm keeping all this in, by the way. <laughs> no, it's fine. Go Let's for it. it. So I, I just opened up a pizza bar. It's a tavern with pizza slices. Uh-huh. And I brought my uh, oldest nephew, who's going to be 18 next month, into it, right? And, uh, you know, they're having a slice of pizza. Uh, obviously, I'm not letting him drink because although I'm a degenerate, I'm not that big of a degenerate. Um, and uh, he starts telling me about how his one school friend designed an app. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this kid's designing apps. And he goes, yeah, it's like, you know, so we can keep uh, track of our schedule because I guess they don't have the same classes every day. And I'm like, you're telling me this fucking kid has the potential of making apps. And this nerd decided to make an app <laughs> that involves his school schedule, right? And I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Oh, so I look my at this. Th- th- that's only half of the story. So then I look at his schedule and I see a class that's called graphic novel and i'm like uh hey nick what the fuck is this class graphic novel and he goes oh god it's so annoying we have to read like graphic novels and do book reports on them and at the end of the year we have to do an entire page of our own graphic novel and i'm like okay so graphic novel in my world is a very specific thing what are you reading right now he goes oh i have to finish batman year one by the end of the week and i was like are you fucking kidding me? Like, you guys get to read comic books for book reports? He goes, yeah, it's so annoying. I was ready to end this kid. <laughs> it's like me me and my best friend, I've known him since the first day of kindergarten. We're, like, it's like family, you know? And I was like, you know, me and your Uncle Russ read fucking Batman Year One in high school about five times for fun. You know, like, what the fuck is going on with you kids? And this kid's bitching about reading comic books. Oh, I couldn't believe man. it. I got to tell you, you, you just you just hurt my soul. Like, the things I did mm-hmm. for fun now is, like, work for kids. Dude, oh. right? I literally, I recall even trying to pull this off once, you know, like, in high school. Like, I, I forgot what it was. I think it was, like, a Superman graphic novel. But, like, I said it was a novelization of something, you know, like, just so I could do a book report. <laughs> on a comic because I wasn't about to read why the cage bird sings, you know, <laughs> like Jesus, man, piss me the fuck up. I was ready to end this kid. 
You know what's funny but, is that uh, I actually I have a live. I, yeah, I have a same similar story where I had the, it was the death of Superman and I hit it in my like math book, like Damn in, right. in my class. I was a because I went to Catholic school and when my teacher found out, they sent me to Father O'Donnell. Bro, I was in trouble, man. I had to do like oh yeah, I had to say prayers for just just hiding the comic book in the math book, dude. And I, it was like geometry, like I was on it. I wasn't even worried about it. But you're right, dude. And, and, and now kids are complaining about doing what I did illegally and had to say Hail Marys for. Come on, man. Seriously. <laughs> right. Like, I don't even understand this. And you know, the funny thing is, too, is I'm sitting there like, yeah, you know, like, I want to hear, like, this kid getting in trouble and being a little bastard. Like, no, man. He's like a straight narrow. I hate it. It's like, you know, like, you only have so many years that you can commit crimes and not be tried as an adult. Like, God knows. I'm aware of it. You know? Like, <laughs> I took advantage of every ounce of being under 18 years old. This kid's pissing away. He's going to be a TSA agent. It's terrible. Oh, man. I got to tell you, do you think it's because of, like, people are getting the personality of computers, like, in a way? I think so. He, yeah. I literally was having this conversation, too, where it's like, he doesn't like anything. Uh-huh. You know, like, I, I like a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean. you know, I mean, like, relative, right? Like, I, I, I like, I've always liked the same things. I've always liked comic books and pro wrestling and heavy metal, music in general, you know, horror movies. Like, but I always liked several things. Like, I can't talk to these kids. Like, I'm like, what do you guys like? Do you guys, like, obsess over anything? Like, no, not really. What do you mean? It's like, what? The, yeah. Like, the passion of youth, man. The passion of no responsibility is not there. Ooh, man. We're dude, all, like, yeah. We're old guys, no, That's dude. really a good way to put it. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. The responsibility, the passion of unresponsibility. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, dude, when you didn't have enough, and you didn't have responsibilities, like, what did you do? Like, you fucked around and you fucking spent every waking hour delving into whatever fucking nerdy thing you wanted, right? Exactly. Like, that's what I did. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I, I had that all... was what the free time was for, right? You had no time, so you had to find something you love to do. And then, because eventually, when responsibility catches up to you, you don't have time for the stuff you love to do. You got to do other exactly. stuff. Exactly. You got to do stuff that uh-huh. other people need you to do, you know? So. Exactly. I mean, that's where I'm at now. Like, I have a stack of comic books that I buy, you know, every week that I'm about two months behind. Mm. I buy them every week, but I haven't got the chance to get through them all. You know what I mean? Like, it's because, like, I got a fucking pizza restaurant to run. I got a fucking band to run. I got I got a life, you know? Yeah. But, like, I make my time for it. But, like, when I didn't have – when I only had schoolwork, which I wasn't about to do, you know, when am I a nerd? You know? <laughs> of course, I needed to read, you know, the Infinity Gauntlet again, you know? Like, come on. Dude, that's crazy. I only have 20 hours in a day. To make an it's app. crazy. On a schedule, though. That's another thing, just to go back to the to making it. Yeah. But, by the way, everybody, Atlas Moth, Coma Noir, our second favorite album of 2018. Congratulations. Thank you. We're gonna, I want to get, get to that. We're going to get to that for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but let's talk about this app making. To make Are an you fucking app kidding me? on a schedule that we memorized in first grade. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right? Like, Seriously. Like, you only have so many. You know, like even if you have, they have like alternating schedules. So it's like, you know, like I think he tried to explain it to me, but I was still stuck on the graphic novel thing. But it was like, you know, like, uh, you know, he has same classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursday is a different schedule. It's like, how can't you remember that? Also, like, I remember like making fake IDs in high school. I remember like forging documents. I don't know. Like, maybe I was an evil child, maybe, but if I could make an app, I certainly. Certainly won't be making it for fucking school. I just realized something. We're not the old guys. The kids are the old guys. 
I think the kids are the old guys. Whoa. Either that or we're going to be known as like the generation of fucking degenerates. Oh. You know, like, what right did you guys that. do? You guys smoke cigarettes? <laughs> <I know. laughs> it's like, yeah, kid, what the fuck were you doing? You know, like, I was smoking my uh, my friend's mom's cigarettes in their shed out back, you know, and looking through dad's porn mags. I don't fucking know. What do you do? Yeah, I, I have a schedule to remind me what I do on Tuesdays. Seriously, fuck you. What else do you have to do? God damn it. It pissed me off, man. That's the great part of life is forgetting your schedule and being like, oh, shit, I missed that. Not showing up for stuff. Yeah. You know, that's actually a... He's taking away his alibi. He's taking away... That's what he's done. Like, hey, I'm a fucking idiot is actually an excuse I use all the time. Are you kidding me? We played a show at a venue here in Chicago on Saturday. After I sat and went to the green room, I lit a cigarette. I was like, can you smoke down here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, well, why are you doing it? I'm like, well, no one told me no. And when they do, I'll stop. They came down. They asked me to stop. I was already done with my cigarette. I asked for forgiveness. This is this is how it goes. This is ridiculous. Like, come on. I'm an idiot. Of course. I'm sorry I was smoking down here. I'm stupid. Like the rest of the earth. I think that was a thing that we grew up in our generation is that do what you want and apologize yeah. for it. You know? Oh, dude. If someone tells for, you. For permission? What's yeah, wrong with you? Exactly. The permission thing. You said it. Don't ask for permission. Ask for forgiveness. Yeah, because. Every time. Uh, uh, yeah. Otherwise, you're not enjoying your life for the most part. Yeah. I mean, also, like, you got to take advantage of the fact that everybody thinks everyone is stupid. And there's a huge gray area of, like, oh, like you said, smoking, smoking a, a cigarette or something. <laughs> like, there's a huge gray area, you know? And I. Oh, 100%. Yeah. My entire life's a gray area, dude. I, 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 you know? I, I live in the gray. I live in the gray. <laughs> the gray is where I reside. That's you a know, jinx, like... bro. I said it right <laughs> when you said it. That's a jinx. <laughs> You're not allowed to you say anything. Yeah, I owe you a diet. I drink Diet Coke, but I, I, I'll take a Diet Coke. Uh, I'm no good with sugar, but uh, I'm, I'm getting old. I got to cut out the sugar. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, that that's the the uh, like all my friends that are addicts. You know, uh, they're like, "What's the hardest thing to uh, to to quit or, or whatever like that?" And I was like, "Sugar." <laughs> and they all looked at me sugar. like I was the biggest. They looked at me like that kid that made the app. They're like, "Really, dude? You're gonna bring up sugar?" <laughs> you fucking I'm like, nerd. I'm, I'm like, dude. I'm sorry. I don't have any hard. Like, you know, the sugar was tough. No vices over here. Sugar was you know insane. Hilarious that I, yeah. I have a lot of straight edge friends, which I like. I often don't like to use the word straight edge because we're all in our 30s. Yeah. You know, like where it's like, hey, guys, so you just don't drink or do drugs, right? You know, like that's fucking stupid here. But like they all fucking love sugar. Yeah, dude. It's dude. insane. They're like, yo, fucking I need like six Cokes. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, maybe you guys should have a beer. I don't know. Like, come on, relax. All my vegan friends were the most into hardcore drugs. So it's the same <laughs> mindset. Really? It's like, oh, yeah, all my vegan friends were, like, smoking crack in college. And I'm like, dude, you don't eat meat, but, like, you're smoking that, dude. Like, you yeah. know? So it's well, like, you, you know what? I do know a lot of current-day vegans that do blow. There you which go. Which I always think is hilarious because I always make fun of them. Like, oh, is that cocaine you're doing? You know, free range? Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Like, is that organic, farm fresh? Like, it's like, come on, guys. You're going to sit here and talk about how fucking, you know, big farms are destroying the earth, but you're fucking snorting drugs. Exactly. You know, like, but, but, just like, I think we just need to pick one or the other. You know, like, you can't bitch at me about being hungover and wanting a double cheeseburger. All right. If you're going to sit there and do cocaine. Living in the gray area. That's what I like to say. Living in the gray area. That's, that's, <laughs> that is uh, official. You can count it. It's the next Atlas Moth album. Living in the gray area. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna talk about that because on the Facebook post, just so you know, you guys said you're going to put no, out a new record in 2019. I know you know. <laughs> Did you oh, know what I, happened to your I'm band? The, I'm the one that made the post, my friend. Let me tell you. I'm well aware of what the hell I said, my dumbass. I do it every time. Uh, <laughs> I like... 
So, like, my thought is this always, right? It's like if I put it out there, then I'm committed to it. Yes. Right? Exactly. If I just, like, sit there and be like, if I don't, if I just say to myself and my band members, it's real easy to be like, well, you know, no one knew about it. But no, no. Let's put it out there in the earth. Let's make this happen. So well, whether it happens or not, it's a different story. We're, we're reporting, though. This is an exclusive, guys, even though it's on Facebook. <laughs> New Atlas Moth in 2019. Um, <laughs> New Atlas Moth. Uh, you know, here's the deal. Yeah, what you have to realize is that no matter what, I can try my hardest, and it might not be up to me to get it out next year. But that is the plan, for the record. That motivation, like you said, that you put it out there, that you have to get it done, I know how that works. So it's going to get done. It's going to get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, honestly, here's the thing, is that um, – uh, and this is something I, I just saw a cult leader post something about this last night, actually, about how they're chilling out on touring, too. And we are kind of are as well. You know, uh, the touring game when we started was you got to tour all the time. Don't ever stop. You know, and I think that, you know, I mean, this is like pre-social media. I mean, this is like back when we had a MySpace, right? So it, social media wasn't quite what, what it was then. And I feel as though that mentality is completely antiquated. You know what I mean? Like, people can watch bands on YouTube. And in all honesty, that's what people are doing. Oh, I know. And people people can – dude, it sucks, and I totally think it blows. I hate the fact that anyone listens to my music on, like, a YouTube, you know, upload. Yeah. It's like, man, you know, I didn't, I didn't spend months getting that thing to sound how I want it so you can fucking listen to a shitty MP3 version of it. You know, you can at least listen to Spotify. That, that goes, that goes but, back to the non-passion that, that's happening. It, it, goes, it all goes back to us being true. old guys and, and us being young guys. Is that like the biggest thing to me? You can't comment on something you haven't experienced. And then people are commenting <coughs> on true. experiences that are like through a third party, like a YouTube video. So, oh, I saw them live. It was awful. What did you see them live at? YouTube. Oh, great. From a cell phone camera. <laughs> Does not count. That's fit. Exactly. It's like not only does that that not count. I want to slap you for even counting that as as, as something that you can say out loud to people. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that's just like the world we're living in, though, man. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, what a lot of people don't understand is that, like, yo, listen, I would love. Uh, and, and you know what? I'll tell you. This is actually a mentality that I feel like I hear from a lot of people in bigger cities, where they're like, oh man, but you know, like. You guys have to do well on tour. I mean, like, we just saw you guys play to a fucking whatever, maybe a sold-out show or a close to sold our big show, wherever it is. It's like, yeah, but where are we? Are we in fucking Brooklyn? Great. Of course it was sold out. You know, like, you don't understand that, like, when I have to get from Chicago to Brooklyn, there aren't many major cities. Yeah. And when you go to those places and you're playing, like, this, you know, whatever, underground, quote-unquote, cool guy metal, you know, like, it it's doesn't, you know, necessarily translate to these smaller markets, you know, and you play to 30 people on a Wednesday night, you know, like that's just how it goes sometimes, you know, people and aren't trying to get just, out of the house, dude. That's the problem. Dude, it's true. People aren't trying to get out of the house. We are, yeah. we're very much content with sitting at home, which, you know, I, I can't lie and say that I'm not, but at the same time, I'm 35 and I've toured the world and I've seen some crazy ass shit. And mind you, before I was even in this band, I was a traveler. So like, some of these younger kids that don't want to get out of the house at all, it kind of worries me. You know, it's like, like I mean, when I was a kid, you couldn't keep me at home. You know what I mean? Fuck. Even before, like, say, you know, the last few years, I would be at every single show that came through the city because I was had to go out. Nowadays, you know, things change and stuff, but <clears throat> actually, I know that, I mean, I go to shows for free, and I skip them. So I know there's people out there that pay for every show they go to that have to skip some, because they can't afford or they can't get off of work or whatever it might be, you know? And then, like, you have to realize that, 
you know, bands like us, like we just did two tours back to back, right? We did a tour with Zan, we did a tour of Paradise Lost. Uh, we wound up coming home a little broke from that all. Wow. Like, yeah, and, and that's the thing, man, is that you have to realize that, like, you know, you can never tell what's going to work touring-wise, you know? Um, I didn't know that Gojira was going to be as great of a tour as it was when we did it, you know? Um, our, our Most of our management didn't think doing the Zayo tour we just did was going to be a great idea, and that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And truthfully, the Paradise Lost one wasn't as good as everyone had hoped it would be. You know, and like that right there, it's like, you know, it puts a pretty sour taste in your mouth about going back out on the road for fucking five weeks. You know, like it's got to be worth it to do it, you know, and you can't just go out there and throw your life away every time you go on tour. You know, and that's just like the re- that's just the reality of it, you know, at this point of the game. Absolutely, man. I get it, man. And, that, and that, like you said, Paradise Lost to me is an event show, you know, 30 years. The guys yeah. have been out. Yep, I mean, absolutely. They're coming from they're coming from across the pond. Like that's right. the one you don't miss. And you just said right. it, like we were just talking about it. It's like, yeah, I miss shows because of responsibility. The people that go to uh-huh. shows, and when I went to shows nonstop, I had no responsibilities. And, 100%, dude. And the fact yeah. that the people with no responsibilities, you know, aren't wanting to see that, it's ugh. like, again, man. It's so, you know change. what? There's, a, there's an interesting thing that I've been trying to think about it since I have someone to bounce this off of my will. Mm-hmm. I know you said it was going to be a quick 10 minute one, but I'm oh, going to go good. for it anyway. We're good. Care. Yeah. All right, cool. So, here's, here's the thing is that I often have wondered, because of the internet and because of the ease of making a demo or a record or whatever you want to fucking call it nowadays compared to what it was, say, 10 years ago, are there more bands out there than ever that are actually legit, that it's, it's you know flooding the market? Because I kind of feel like that might be sort of the thing. Like, back 10 years ago, you couldn't put out a demo like as easy as you could now that sounded like a real demo or even a, a, an EP or whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Like we had to spend, you know, our first EP was in 2008. We recorded at the end of 2007. Like we still spent like $1,100, just nothing. Okay. And it sounds like, you know, $1,100 in 2007. You know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> it, it wasn't easy to get a recording like you can now. I mean, fucking people are recording shit that sounds awesome on their fucking laptops. Yeah. You know, so I wonder if like this idea of like people, like younger bands still think you got to tour, 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 which might be true for a younger band. But like, are there just more bands than ever out there tour, 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 touring? And is that fucking everybody kind of? I, I, you know, I, like. What I think is that, yes, it, there used to be rungs on a ladder in any business, whether it be artistic sure. or whether it be whatever. Now there is none. It's it's, it's virtually like um, a trend in a lot of ways, but also like like you said, everybody can do it with just that. Everybody that, can that passion, yeah. and a lot of the passion for a lot of bands, a lot of bands, especially the earlier the earlier bands, and even back in the day, isn't exactly for the music part. It's for other parts. It's for personal parts. Oh, it's for very very true, very true for being liked for all these things. So it's like now you have an easy way for them to to fall into that. Instead of people saying you're not good enough, let's see if you make it. After 17 people say you're not good enough, you know, where a lot of people right, would right. drop off. Now it's like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'll do it myself. And that right there, yeah, no, uh, dude, that's exactly it, man, a hundred percent. And it's kind of crazy because it's like you know, like I mean, like I, I hear it from people all the time. You know, why don't you guys come here? Why don't you guys come there? When are you guys touring again? It's like, yo, listen, man, like I don't know. I can't tell you that. I'm not gonna stop playing music. I'm not going to not tour ever again. But at the same time. You know, you got to be smarter about this kind of stuff nowadays. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 
it's not it's not really cute in your mid thirties to be going out there and losing a ton of money. And like I said, like I'm sure there's people that are listening to this from major cities being like, what is he talking about? You know, it's like, dude, listen, go and spend, go and see one of the shows that you thought would sell were selling out in, in New York or Chicago or LA. Go and see one of those in New Mexico. Or go and see one in North Carolina. Or go and see one in, you know, whatever, fucking Kansas City, dude. And tell me if you don't understand that that's really the mentality. Like, dude, there was, you know, we played in Salt Lake City on this Paradise Lost Tour. And it was, uh, (laughs) it was bad. You know? I mean, that's just the fucking, that's just the breaks, though. It happens sometimes, and you can never tell. If we had three successful tours this year, like, wonderful, fantastic, non-coming-home-in-the-red tours... I might be having a different conversation with you. Yeah. You know? Totally, man. But that's just how it goes, man. You know? And, uh, and you know, it's it's also one of those things, though, too, where because people aren't going out nowadays, like, do we start, like, changing the, the trajectory of our band? Like, maybe, yeah, maybe we release a record every year, year and a half instead because maybe it's better that way. You know, like... Zayo, people aren't going to come out. Maybe they'll want to fucking listen to it. Yeah, Zayo has been a part-time band. They've been an event. They've been like, hey, we're going to play Los yeah. Angeles, and we're all. Well, I'm, I'm in Vegas, so we're all coming towards Zayo because we're we know that we might not see him for a couple of years. They don't tour full full time. When you say that, exactly, those shows went well, probably because Zayo doesn't come around every only a few True. years, and they put out a lot of they put out you know EPs full lengths that a lot of people want to see. So I guess the issue is that maybe that is the best route is to make us miss you. I, then, dude, I think I think that kind of is a thing, man. You know, yeah. like maybe we don't need to play out all the time. Maybe it can be something that's really awesome. Because, you know, like, let's face facts here. You know what? Like I talked to you earlier this year yep. when we were going out with Royal Thunder and Mirrors for Psychic Warfare, and everybody was pumped, right? Like yep. we haven't been out there in a couple of years. Everyone was stoked on that tour. And then we go out again, and it was like, oh, okay. People were kind of like, oh, yeah, they're back. Cool. I'll catch him next time. <laughs> you exactly. know, it's like, well, you know what? Like, I don't know what next time's going to be. You know, we have a couple of festival things coming on up next year that are going to be fun. And we're going to do that. But I don't think we're going to tour around it. You know, like, uh, and I, I really highly suggest that anybody out there that loves a band, you got to go see them. You know, you got to go make that effort because it's, it's what keeps us going. A hundred percent, man. No, I completely agree. Man. And these uh, these uh, festival things, dude, like you're talking about, I also think that's hurting a little bit. Now, I, I'm I in, think it is too. I got Psycho Vegas out here, and I see bands that I never would dream to see of on, at that festival. But it's right. also a commercial sometimes. It doesn't feel like I saw them. You know, it's like right. it's, it's such a short thing. So I, I, I get overwhelmed with the experience that years have blended into each other. You know, hey, when did you see the song? 100%. Oh, yeah, how can, I don't know. Dude, you're, just, you're seeing fucking how many bands in four days. Exactly. It's, it's legitimately probably 80, right? And, yeah, uh, like seriously, dude. And like, yo, that's one festival. Yes. One, a yes. singular, you know, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like these fests are getting out of hand too. Granted, I mean, I love them. And the other thing is though too, is that I love them because, you know, there's a bigger budget usually for these kind of things. So we would get paid a little bit more money. Yep. And I'm not sitting here. I don't want anyone to have the, the idea that I'm sitting here fucking counting my ducats. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm raking in the doughs. But, you know, like it makes it easier to justify going out and doing it, you know, uh, when you have a little padding like that, you know. Uh, but it also gives people – like a false sense of like how much they're worth, I think a little bit, you know, because like a, a, a band that would get whatever two hundred dollars for a um, a night on a tour, all of a sudden is getting a thousand dollars, you know, and it's like, well, wait, hold on a second, like, do you think that you actually would get a thousand dollars every night? 
Because yeah. I don't think I don't think that that's <laughs> correct thinking, right? You know, like it's there's a little bit of a wonkiness to all of that. But eh, you know, like this game is changing, man. Like 100. percent Like every day, every year, there's nothing in sight of it stopping to change because there's this entire music industry is uh, very wacky. You know, and everyone's looking for the answer to change it to make it work for everybody. It's not only not working for bands; it's not working for labels. Oh, wow. you know. Yeah. So it's like you guys are. Everyone is gonna. This is gonna be the start of it. You're gonna see bands like, like I said, once I saw that cult leader thing, kind of made me almost feel a little bit better. You know, because I was like, you know what, dude, look at those guys are on on our tip. Where it's like, hey, you know what, we're gonna keep doing this, but it ain't gonna be like the frequency we want for. Like because it's not fucking worth it. You know, like playing Indianapolis on a Tuesday night, it sucks, dude. You know, it's not like there's these like there, there hasn't been a tour where every single night's been a baller show in a long time, you know, and you just kind of got to recognize that, you know, and I know try that. to work around it, try to adapt. Yes. And which, I, is, uh, which is the plan. I think you know? I know the issue and I, I think we mentioned it already, man, at the very start of the conversation is that it's art forms like <coughs> movies, music. Anything like that, the passion behind the, the fan base has to be the youth. Has to be. 100%. The people without 100%. responsibilities, like, we're doing this, we're doing this, this is what's popular, this is what we want to do. If the youth is like, meh, about such things, the reliance of us with the responsibilities, the older people with the families, let's just say, or the, or the commitments or the businesses or their jobs and stuff like that, if you're relying on us, a Tuesday night in Indianapolis, bro, I'll miss you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not. Yo, yo yeah. fucking eight. It's not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I mean, how about this, dude? Like, I, I actually kind of laugh about this. We've made a million friends over the years, obviously. You know, we've been touring for um, going on 11 years now. We've made a billion, billion close, close friends. Not just guys that we know in the city that smoked us up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. we have friends. And guess what? You start seeing it nowadays where it's like, oh, man, like, Cool, we're in Phil in town here. Is uh, you know, Dave or Bob or Jim or Mike coming out? And you're just like, Oh no, man, you know, he had a kid, so he's not gonna be out, he can't make it out tonight. Yeah. And you're like, yo, that guy was like here, he's been our friend for a decade. He was sitting here waiting for us to get in town so he could hang out with us. And now it's like, uh, no, he's at work in the morning. He's out of town for work. He has a kid, you know what I'm saying? Like, fill in the fucking blank though, man. You know, I mean, it's just this is just the reality of things. And you're starting to see like the generations change, I believe, almost. And it's kind of weird to be a part of that, like, when you're actually recognizing it. You know, like, you get into this, and then all of a sudden it's 10 years later, and you're like, hmm, things have changed. You know? But, like, you didn't you didn't see it changing in front of your eyes, and all of a sudden it's just different. You know? And it, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's a lot to take in. It's a pretty, uh, pretty deep thought when you, when you really start putting it into practice, you know? But, uh, you know, hey, man, that's life, dude. You know? Fucking... It, it is it is life and it is change and the the great thing that for me that I always felt about all art forms that I just mentioned like I said whether it be film or whatever which also is is people don't take movies seriously people don't go to the movies as oh, well it, anything is disposable dude yeah. for sure with that man we got to talk about Coma Noir still number two yeah, record of ours for the league now that, now that we got all my existential crises out on the internet so everyone can hear that uh, <laughs> I don't know if those crises are helping but you guys put out our our second favorite record of the year. Um, so so I was told mm-hmm. by uh, by a certain little bird. Yes, uh, perhaps your editor. Ooh, okay, <laughs> I know this I, guy. That I wouldn't be upset who number one is. Oh, I'll so, tell you. I, oh wait, wait, hold on. I want to preface this. Okay. I actually put out. I remember talking to you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, oh yeah. When, when Ben introduced, when Ben like reintroduced, I was like, I know Peter. What are you talking about? 
Like, yeah, we're homeless, dude. Like, yeah, I was like, all right. But I believe I said this. Maybe, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But I know I put it out there somewhere that I would be okay losing. I, I personally think my album of the year is my album is the album of the year. Okay, I thought it was the best thing I've ever done. Um, I think that if it was put out in like June, I think it would have been higher on everyone's list. Mm. Honestly, uh, I feel like I fucking deserve it. I've never been like one of those guys. I think I put out a kick-ass record. But there was one record that beat me this year. It's that new Judas Priest record. Oh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not my number one, dude. Oh, I'm, damn. I'm, I was really hoping I lost the Priest, so I didn't have to be mad about it. I'm going to say it right <laughs> now. I'm going to tell you right now, and then I'm going to edit it out, and then nobody will know because we have to say it after the interview. But me and, you, oh, okay. me and you can talk about it without saying the name. My number one record sure. is... Oh, you know what? I'll take it. Are you sure? are you good with it? Are you good with it? Oh yeah, I uh, that's a big one for me, man. And and I'll tell you why uh, primarily is that uh, I saw them live. And anytime you see the songs live, you you go back and you listen to that record. And oh I mean, yeah, they 100%. they lived those songs lived so I liked I loved the record when I got it. And this I think it came out man it might have been January February early in the year just like yours. It was I actually think it was before ours. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was January. Yeah, and then so when I when I when I saw it live, I was like, man. And then it just never stopped. And that's the one thing I did not get to see you guys live. Oh, see, well, yeah, and we didn't play Vegas. No, we didn't play. No, we didn't. No, you didn't, bro. We didn't. Mm-hmm. No, we skipped it. No, I wait. I, I feel like I spent some time in Vegas this year, though. Yeah, I played Beauty Bar this year. You played Beauty Bar this year? No, when? Yeah. Was it with Royal Thunder? When? Oh, dude, no, it was with Mustard, Gas, and Roses. Uh, and it was with uh, it was at Beauty Bar. It was the day that the Golden Knights lost with the Capitals, the Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup. Oh, dude! Wow. Yo, yo. So, by the way, as I say that, I'm like, right. That's why no one came to that show. No, uh, it's <laughs> a heartbreaker right I, there, man. Yeah, but I was. Dude, I sat there. We were on that tour. I was like, listen, there's a very good possibility that we are in Vegas for a Stanley Cup win. Um, Andrew, uh, guitar and synth in our band, is uh-huh. a big hockey guy. Uh, me and the bass player, Alex, are big basketball guys. So hockey's all right. We don't have anything against it, but it's not really our jam. Like, he was sitting there being like, oh, my God. Like, I really hope they win. I want to be a part of that celebration. And the only thing Alex and I were thinking, we're like, man, um, I was alive when the Bulls won their first championship, and they rioted. Like, I don't know if I want to be in Vegas. <laughs> like, it's just about my momentous occasion, you know? It sounds terrifying. Dude, I'm telling you, it would have been, ba- it would have been bad but awesome. Is that a lot to be said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been bad well, but awesome. Well, you know what, dude? I realized that we were, like, fucking kind of screwed since Jump Street. If they win, first of all, ain't no one doing nothing until they lose or win. Yeah. Period. Okay? And then, you know, like, they were down. Did they lose, like, what, three – was it three to one? Three to one, yeah. Yeah, so it was like you know, like they like they could have only like survived for the next game at best, which would have been the possibly the best thing for that show. But you know, win or lose, we were pretty much cooked. <laughs> like you just can't you can't fuck with that like uh, you know that local sports uh, fever but at all. It's it's inaugural year. I know. Oh, and, I know. And like the it's whole the whole scenario. ethos behind it was like, and we don't have sports teams because we weren't allowed to have them because of right. gambling. We only have boxing, right? You know? So we, this is our first sports team. It was it was absolutely crazy. Like I mean, and oh, then I bet, yeah. And the, I'm I'm upset. I missed you guys. Though, I ain't gonna lie because uh, I would have gone because it's one of those things where watching hockey for me, a lot of people love it, but to me, I see a lot of slop. You know, I, I, don't, I don't I can't follow it. It's, I don't get the uh, game. 
I'm I've tried. so. I don't get it. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm impressed with the skills and the plays, and trust me, I can me get too. in there. But like watching uh-huh. it is like, like you're saying, basketball. I can watch because it's not, it's not slop. There's some skills. There's some things going on. I but, understand the game of basketball. Yes. Right. Like very well. You know, I get it. I understand it. I don't question it. I, I think it's easy to understand. But with, with hockey, I feel like there's a lot of stopping. I don't know why they're stopping. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, wait, why did that stop? Why, yeah. why is that? Why is that? You know, why are they setting up again? <laughs> like, I don't fucking get it. If they had won, it would have been wild. I'm kind of glad I missed it, but at the same time, it basically just wound up me going out and playing fucking video roulette at Circus Circus afterwards. So oh. it's fine. It all worked out. Man. Did you win? <laughs> oh yeah, I Good. always win. Always, you always win. Hold on, is that is that Dude, a fact? Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty good ga- at gambling. I'm not gonna lie. It's one of those things where it's like I'll never live in Vegas, Don't. and I can never spend more than 24 hours there. No, they're... you know, like I'm too good at this kind of stuff. The walk away rule. What's your walk away rule? Uh, you know what? I don't have a real rule with it. I I play it by ear. Um, I have been jinxed before. Um, and I walked away with much less money, but I always walk away with something. Yeah, that's uh, you know, but I play it by ear. You know, if someone sits down, I don't like the way they're handling things. I get the fuck out of there. I had an old roommate walk by me at a casino one time in Indiana. Here we went one night, and I was like, "Oh shit, what's up?" And I turned back around and I lost. I was like, "I'm out. Give me all my money. I'm good." <laughs> you know, like you never know. You know, it's, you got to play it by ear. You you do. And anytime my my rule is that any if any like vagrant or, or drug person drug drug person that's nice drug person no, i don't want to say drug that people <laughs> anybody anybody <laughs> comes at me and gives me a sob story and says here's my kid can i wash your car or something like that i can't gamble for a week that's that's the rule oh wow really they, they, they drain <laughs> it dude they'll, they'll kill it for me i mean it's a thing man it's a real thing here's here's a true story a true story i don't know if i've ever shared it on this show but misfits reunion concert mgm grand oh okay we got tickets we go to the tropicana across the street I sit at a machine. I hit a royal flush immediately. I'm like, okay, nice. cash out. I'm out. I'm, this is great. I'm walking out. Hey, you know, here's my kid. We, we're hungry. We can't eat. Where there's all these. Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. You know, I mean, I can help you out. Here you go. But right there, I knew that I was like, all right, no more gambling for a week. Yeah, you're cooked out. Yeah, you're being a good Samaritan. You're done with. So I go across the street to the MGM Grand. Guess what, man? Our tickets. Oh, where's our tickets? We left our tickets at the bar. What happened? Boom. Missed the show. They, Are you serious? I swear to God. Right after the meeting, we, we, we couldn't find the tickets. We couldn't get to the venue. We're like, <sighs> and then all my friends were like, where you at? Where you at? We're like, dude, we, we don't know what we did with our tickets now. I got hit up on the on the way up, dude. They, they, they sucked my luck out of me. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so wait, did you ever find the tickets? No, missed it. Missed it. Are you serious? Swear to like God. you never found them in hindsight, like where you left them at home or something? Nothing. No, they, they were. Is, that's bananas. This, they were, uh, we had them and then my lady had them. And I don't know if she went to the bathroom and left him there. I, like, I don't want to blame her because um, I just, yeah, sure, I just got married. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, at this point, I don't want to be like she. She lost the tickets. I don't want to say that. But let's just say she might have lost the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty positive I didn't. So I'm not no. saying that you did, but I think you did. <laughs> like, but I still feel like when the luck, when you're walking out with this like luck, and someone just comes in there and they they, they cut it off, dude, like something happens. I, I, and that's, oh, dude, that's how I, I felt. I'm a firm believer, man. You know, like I'm a firm believer in that. I I, I can't. I I do walk away. You know, like I often, you know, I, I have a rule where I usually walk up and I put fifty bucks on black. Mm. That's and, my thing. And if I lose, then I'm hitting slots. Yeah. If, if I win, then I'm gonna sit down for a little bit. Oh man. I, but it's like my starting point. Like if I if I start the night with that every time, and if I lose, then I don't gamble real the rest of the night. Period. 
I like that. You got to have, and everybody out there that's a gambler that we're, me and Starvis are teaching you, you got to have all these little things in order for it to work for you. You can't just blindly go in there. You have to have. It's all intuition. It's all intuition. Yeah, dude, and it's the it's the Greek superstition <laughs> that I that I stick with. You know, it's like my my old school, the old Greek man in me comes out. You know, where it's like, oh, don't step on a crack. You know, it's like, yep. Nope, I'm not gonna step on that crack. Uh-huh. There you go. There you, you said it, man. And that um, I think I was story. raised the same way from from the Montenegro yeah. side. My dad the same way. <laughs> so, There's just like those little things where it's like, oh hey, you know, like my dad buried a fucking like um, a statue of Saint George in our in our childhood front lawn when he was trying to sell it. You know, mm, <laughs> because yeah. that was good luck. You know, it's like that was like. Right, you know, like if you say so, Dan. I know? believe. <laughs> I believe. Yeah, yeah. That 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 fucking house did not sell for a long time. Okay? That fucking St. George section didn't work. But yeah. I back his superstition. You got it. You got it. You got to just say, you know what? When people have cool ideas like that, I just roll with it, and I just, I'm like, I support you. And then if, if it works out, oh, they'll yeah. be like, yeah, that's it. And when it doesn't work out, you just don't talk about it, right? It's like, don't no, talk of course about they don't want to talk about it because then they're admitting that they were wrong. And then that their goofy-ass superstition was incorrect, you know? So you just got to let it go. You know, you got to let people live their best life, man. I'm not here to ruin a fucking... I'm not here to shit on someone's parade, dude. That's not my job. Absolutely. So (laughs) back to the record. Your favorite record of the year? We'll get there eventually. (laughs) Yeah, your favorite record of the year was Judas Priest. Dude, I'll tell you right now, man. I'll tell you, I love the new Judas Priest record. But my, my argument with my friends about it is that... The oh, second, okay, late on me. You ready? The sec, the first yeah. like five songs are like stock Judas Priest. I like them. Boom, got it all the way. Boom, lightning strikes. Love it. And then the second half, I'm like they 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 completely. It's a stronger half of the record. That's my yeah. opinion. It was safe, and then I it was like, whoa, I didn't see this coming. These last. Seven well, so songs. you know, you. I feel like with a band like that, you have to have some safe. Hmm. I agree. And you got and you got to suck someone in with some safe. Yeah. Like, let's go and talk about the Iron Maiden records. <laughs> Like, I'm talking, I mean, we can go back and say, like, you know, the last Dickinson to present, but mm. let's just say once Dickinson returned, okay? Like, you hear those records, and you're just like, okay, that's cool, whatever, you know? Like, I'm going to go see them. I remember I saw them at OzFest, right oh. when Dickinson got back in the band, I think, right? Yeah. Brand New World, like, dude. fuck yeah. was amazing. We- uh, well, you know, I- here's the thing with that, though. Like, oh. my argument against that, right, is yeah. that I saw them on OzFest, and they did, like, the first four records. Or something like, or the first four Dickinson record, not the, not Iron Maiden with the other dude, Paul Diano. I know his name. <laughs> I don't want all the metal nerds out there fucking crucifying me for that. He saw them. They played just the fucking classics. It was killer. I had tickets to go see him the next summer, and they played all new stuff. And you're just kind of like, hmm, I'm not going to that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not for it. You know? And I think this Priest record is like what every older metal band wa- like should or uh, should be aspiring to make. You know, where it's like, yeah, man, maybe it's a little safe, but is it fucking jamming and good? Yeah. And then there's some fucking pushing boundaries shit still. And uh, I think that they nailed it, man. I think that they, like, actually made a record that stands up to some of their classics. You know, and I think that that is, in and of itself, quite the accomplishment for a band that's been doing it for, I mean, however many fucking years they've been doing it. I don't disagree at all with that. But let me ask you one priest question, because I am a fan of Nostradamus. What about you? Okay. Uh yeah yeah I, I'm a fan. I'll never understand why that record got such a beating, man. I don't, I don't understand. understand. You know, man. How about this, dude? Like, I'm a load and reload fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, I take the glutton of this punishment when it comes to records by classic bands that get maligned. And, and you know what? Those records don't deserve the fucking hate ever. 
that they got. But St. Sure. Anger. No, no, St. Anger, I have no fucking argument against yeah. or, or for. You know, I have all arguments against it. You know, that album is terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the one that <laughs> you know, I, I see. I, I believe I'm with you on that load and reload. There is some great stuff on there. It's funny because I just saw Metallica here uh, in Vegas. It's funny when we're talking about it, like it is a family-friendly show now and it's there's a lot of oh, youth. And it's like, That's Does what he even it, swear anymore? No, dude. I actually was like, I'm waiting for him did. to say a bad word. Even like, you know, Creeping Death was like, motherfucking die. No. Doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. Doesn't. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like that was something that they were heading towards. But no mosh pit, right? None for the whole show. Really? I mean, no, no. It eventually happens, but no mosh pit, dude. I mean, they play, you know, Creeping Death. They play yeah. Fade to Black. They play all this classics, dude. Fuel. Mosh pit breaks out. And I was like, really? what the fuck? <laughs> I swear to Man, God. that bro. is wild. Give me fuel. <laughs> give me fire. Give me that which I desire. Hit. And I'm like, what the fuck happened to Metallica fans, dude? Like, no, you know what? They all like that car commercial jam. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I I just looked. I looked. I was with I was with Brandon, our, you know, co-host, and I was like, dude, fuel, fuel's gonna get them going, bro. Like, dude, not injustice you know, for all, fuel. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know what? You know, it's maybe it's a regional thing. I don't know. That's kind of wild, though. I'll tell you what. I personally would cut fuel off of my ultimate load playlist but that's me that's the that's the that's the single if we may you know so dude that's one of the ones with like the worst lyrics and i think that some of those lyrics are some of the best he's ever done on load and reload and you're saying absolutely they're personal he was hurting his father died you know like it's it's dark but then there's fuel which and is, then there's ain't my bitch (laughs) ain't my bitch might be worse than fuel just throwing that out there I don't disagree with that at all, man. So, Coma Noir, let me ask you this, okay? I think it's the perfect record. I think Galactic Brain is one of the best songs by far of the year. Maybe my top two songs. Thank you. Is there a song on there that you're most proud of? You know what, dude? Um, Yeah. But actually, I kind of had this talk because obviously, you know, like we're we're starting to write, you know, um, and we're starting to think about the next record, what we want to go and yada, yada, yada. And there isn't a whole lot of like planning on where we're going to go. There's definitely like talks, right? But one thing I brought up was that like, although I'm really proud of this record as a whole, right? I actually feel as though there's parts, like parts of these songs really do it for me. You know, like not necessarily a full song, not to say that the full songs don't get it, but like there's just parts of this record that I'm just like, damn, that fucking shit rules. You know, and Galactic Brain would be up there. That middle part I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. I'm really proud of uh, uh, Streets of Bombay and like Frozen Crown, which are some of the weirder tracks. You know, like I feel like we've always tried to get weird and push boundaries, and I feel like this is the time that they all worked. You know, like every little weird thing we try to do that we haven't done or maybe have tried and they haven't succeeded at, I feel like we actually hit it. You know, so I, I feel like that gives us a lot of confidence walking into another record, you know. So, yeah, like the more the, the weirder stuff, you know, like uh, the, like the I mean, Frozen Crown to me is like a torch song. Those are the two catchiest kind of, tracks, too. They're the ones that get stuck in your head, like the quickest. Right. Like yeah, Frozen yeah, Crown's yeah. like at the back of the record for people that don't know. And it's like, and you're jamming to it before Chloroform, right? Isn't it eight or something like that? It, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so it gets stuck in your head and then Chloroform takes you out. And that's the, the sequencing is perfect on this record to me well so i say I, I that's a high compliment because i feel as though sequencing is key you would know this because you're you're in my age range here but you remember like downloading things off of napster like I, full albums would come out and it would be mislabeled i never did dude I, catholic boy i was scared <laughs> oh oh okay so my heathen ass definitely did and i can actually recall i downloaded white pony which is my you know all-time favorite record really it's a, um it's a flawless record 
Oh, it absolutely is. But I downloaded it before it came out because that was one of the first ones that really came out early on Napster that leaked real fast. And I downloaded it and it was in the wrong order. And I remember listening to the record, you know, like I burned a CD for kids that don't know that was a thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, jammed into my car. And I was like, man, this record, I don't know. You know, I mean, not only was it a weird record, but also like the sequencing was completely off. And then, of course, when the record came out, I went and bought it because I wanted to, you know, try again. And uh, it was in the right order. And I was like, oh, this is incredible. You know, so people, you know, you got to focus on that sequencing, man. I feel like it's an important step of making a great record. If Digital Bath wasn't track two on that (laughs) record, it would have been all wrong. That's all I got to say. That's what I'm saying. And then I don't remember what the, uh, the fucked up track listing was. But it definitely like destroyed the flow of the record. Matter of fact, you know, like uh, on a quick Deftones note, you know that they deleted the first song off of Gore to like the eleventh hour. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, so they did that, and that made the single the first song. And all honesty, like I don't like that record. It's like the only record by them I never really dug. Oh, dude. And part of me wonders why that first tr- like what that first track is because also, you know, historically that band's first tracks are incredible. Mm-hmm. But I gotta tell you, you dude- know, they're all. The, her jams. the Jerry Cantrell song on there that he did, was it called Phantom Limb or Phantom Bride? Phantom Bride. Dude, that song is... is that song's a jam. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I remember like I was kind of like in and out, in and out, and then that song sucked me in, dude. So the fact that you can say it's a bad record and they can still have a track like that on there, man. No, I mean, uh, yo, I, mind yeah. you, that is the one track that I'm like, yo, that song fucking rules. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it makes me wonder if like it had that first track on there, if it would have flown completely different for me. Yeah, true, man. True. <laughs> it's very possible, you know. So I mean, that's like half the reason we put Comer Noir as a first track on there was because it was like, you know what? Like, this is going to be a weird one. You know, people don't hear us like this. So let's go out there. And also, it's like a kind of a kick in your teeth, you know? It's Dude, like, I was just about to say, it's pay attention now. Like, yeah. It's yeah. pay well, attention you know now. And then, and then we felt yeah. ignored a bit, you know, yeah. off the last record. There's definitely a little bit of like, hey, wait, hold on a second. Why was everybody talking about us on Ache from the Distance and no one's talking about us on Overbeaver? Um, it was the artwork. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that fucking artwork, that was a lot of money. No, I know, dude. No, no, no. I like the old Believer artwork. I'll just, it was a reference to the beauty of uh, Aiken Distance artwork. Anyways, in the, in oh. the photos. I remember looking through it. I'm like, um, I, I don't even need to hear the record. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I am very proud of also that layout as well. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there was definitely like a, hey, yeah, sit down, pay attention vibe I wanted to put out. And I think that that, that you know, it worked. Oh, that know? track, that track, crap, everything. It grabbed you. The the artwork on this one, the four pictures, like on the flip the flip side, and then the old record looking thing, and the the whole thing worked out. No songs on the back. You guys, you guys did it, man. You guys really thanks, man. Figured it out all the way. Last question before I go, because we're talking about 2019. Everybody, yeah. if you haven't heard Como Noir, you have to go right now and pick it up. Like I said, it's our second favorite record of the year. I gave away our first one, so it's going to be a quick outro because this 10-minute interview with me and me and Stavros is at, at 45 minutes. So we're, <laughs> say, yeah, we're killing it, as always. <laughs> I'm playing, dude. We're going to talk again in 2019, guys, so get used to us. The point is, uh, are you going to bring back Sanford Parker? Because I feel like he was a very important element. Sanford is on the docket. Okay. You know, he is, uh, he's lined up. Sanford's my fucking best friend in the entire world. Oh, uh, I, I, and I, I, I love, love, love making records with him. And in all honesty, dude, like it, it, it changed our game a bit when you only have like a guy in your band producing the records and all due respect to Andrew, there's still like, you know, like I can tell him, I mean, I can tell Sanford, fuck you too, but I can tell Andrew fuck off, you know, but I, I don't do that 
to somebody else outside because I sit there and they I feel like they actually make me question <clears throat> like when they sit there and they bring up something like maybe we should try this, we should try that. Like I actually take it into account, you know, whereas like you can ignore your pain, you know. So Sanford is definitely I've already I already told him like, hey, I don't know when, but it's going to happen. You know, so my, my goal is to be hopefully recording the late spring, early summer and then have it out in the fall. That's kind of my my plan right now. And if it comes out in the fall and it's equally as good as Coma Noir, if not better, which we're hoping for, you're going to you're going to. That's what I'm hoping for. That's gonna, what I'm going for. We're going to talk again in December. That's all I'm going to say. That, that's my plan. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going for. I always want to talk in December. Let's you know? talk in December. <laughs> Let's talk about the best. So, you know, I'll tell you what. I'm actually I'm actually stoked that two records, your one and two, were some of the first records that came out this year, because that's something that I argued about the release date. But keep in mind who you're talking to. People always say this to me. I really take my time to get the physical copy and then live with that record for a while. Like, <coughs> like records that come out December are usually or something like that later. It's like I, I can't put them on my best of because I didn't live with them. You know exactly. I didn't 100. And 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 that's something that I think is lost on on this. People listen. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. It's cool. All right, dude. But listen to it three months later. Age with it, right? Because does it still fucking have it? Does it still scratch the same itch? Exactly. But when when you listen to it, like when I listened to Coma Noir first, and then I listened to it in June, and listened to it in August, and I listened to it like in October, it was more. I was like, nah, nah, no. Nah. Now we're friends. Now I know. <laughs> now we're friends. Now we're now homies, bro. My homie. I know the riffs <laughs> now, bro. I, I'm, I'm, I'm honest. I got up. it. You know, and that and that's and that's something that. Same, same same thing with our number one. I mean, it's like, I know it now, man. I know what's coming up. There's a time where people, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you, you play a record to a point where you never want to hear a song again, and that's that's okay, because that means yeah. that, that's okay. You know, it's like, I never want to hear, we talk about Metallica. I, I never need to hear Enter Sandman again, except when it's live and there's fireworks, Dude, right? I never need to hear Master of Puppets as a whole, the entire album again. Exactly. But that's a Is that's it a the compliment. Best metal album of all time. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> you know, like, but do I ever need to hear it? Fuck no. Exactly. Like, that doesn't that doesn't make it bad. No. But it's I'm I'm well versed with that man Stavros. Um, always a pleasure. Hope to get to talk yes, to you absolutely. in the fall of 2019. If I miss you guys yes. coming to Vegas again, I will slap myself in the face, especially during. I will slap you as well. This I know. <laughs> I'm going to put I'm fifty gonna, on I'm red. Book myself into your fucking living room. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to put I'm going to put fifty on red. You put it on black, and whoever wins, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where the We're night goes. Guaranteed. Is someone's losing? I know that's that's the whole thing. We're like, all right, who, who whoever wins guides the rest of the night. You know, that's that's oh, the way it works. All right, all my right. friend, you better hope you fucking win. I know because you're gonna put me at the Willy Wonka machine. Yeah, tour, you know, like <laughs> Pete, go play the penny slots. Thanks, Stavros. <laughs> yeah, seriously, get out of here, beat it, kid. <laughs> I'm on a hot streak. Sweet man. So, all right, Stavros, again, yeah, man. Great talking to you, buddy. Thank you so much, dude, and congrats. On the record. Thank you. Thank All you right. again.
Again, that song, guys, was Galactic Brain. And, guys, that leads us to our number one record of the year. Brandon, say number one. Number one. Numero uno. Oh, Jocelyn, say it in Spanish. Numero uno. <laughs> number one. Numero uno. And, number one. Numero uno. All right, all right, all right, all right. One. I know you guys didn't participate much, but your number one made everybody happy. I'm a part of the show. Me too. <laughs> And we all selected this one together in unison, guys. Our number one record of the year. Corrosion of Conformities, No Cross, No Crown. There's nothing really we can say besides this is just a record that I know I'll be listening to the rest of my life. From start to finish, Missed Pepper in the band. It's been years, and uh, they knocked it out of the park. If anybody's seen them live during this record cycle, you'll see that these songs, they live and they, they, they breathe. And with that, guys, we want to play the track off our number one record of the year here on the Metal Sucks podcast. No Cross, No Crown by Corrosion of Conformity. The song is called The Luddite.
right, guys, and that is it for our best of show. Long episode, almost a double episode in a lot of ways, but we want to thank every one of you guys for this great year of 2018 to celebrate the music that we love this year. And we know that there's a lot of bands that we missed out there, the Sleep, the Tribulation, the High on Fire, all those things, the yeah, but to us, we kind of felt these records were the ones that we listened to more. Regardless, if we had to do this list again in three or four months, it would probably change because that's that's a, how much great music came out this year. So again, guys, we want to thank you so much for everything you do. Have a great holiday. Have a safe and beautiful new year. Can't wait to talk to you guys one more time, and we'll, we'll see you back on the 7th of January. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.